Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. I'd like to begin with a call to worship based on James chapter 3. Who among you is seeking the wisdom of God? We want to hear God's word spoken to our hearts. Who among you is seeking God's bright and holy truth? We want to learn the ways of wisdom and righteousness. Who among you is seeking a spirit-filled life? We want to live lives of holiness. God grants wisdom to all who ask. Come near, people of God. Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. And then Psalm 54 is our psalm of the day. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For the insolent have risen against me. The ruthless seek my life. They do not set God before them. But surely God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O God, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. about a Quaker pastor living in a small town called Harmony. Garth and I love this series. One of our favorite characters in the books is a man named Dale Henshaw, who always has a new idea about how to reach people for Jesus, like feeding verses of Scripture to chickens so that the verses will show up in the egg. And so when people crack open an egg, they'll receive a message from God. Sharing the gospel is the right impulse. But the preacher in Harmony isn't sure that finding a scripture in their scrambled eggs will really lead people to Jesus. We read that series a few years ago, but more recently the author has published a follow-up series. It's the same preacher, Sam, but he's at a new church. Since this is a Quaker congregation, they have a search committee that helps them find a preacher, and so it's taken them three years to find someone. So in the three years that they were waiting, the congregation came up with the idea that somebody in the church would talk each week about anything that they were interested in. The architect who designed the church got up and talked about architecture. A woman gave a talk about painting walls. Quilting and model train collecting were also on the list. So Sam came in as the new preacher and tried to put a stop to all that because who comes to church to hear about painting walls and model trains? 
But of course, by now, it's a church tradition, and they want Sam to preach for 15 minutes and then have the presentation of people's work, and then they go eat pie. I could get on board with a church service that ended with eating pie every week. I can see why Sam wanted to get rid of talks on subjects that were not at all related to church. Except, as I thought about our series on work, I was reminded of the point that I want us to see. We are not Christians on Sunday morning for two hours and then something else the rest of the week. I was inspired to talk about work by Reverend Tim Keller, who pointed out that if we just talk about church on Sunday morning and all we have are religious-sounding topics, we're really only doing part of the job. See, the job description for a preacher in the Bible is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So much of your ministry is not in church on Sunday morning. It's out in the world as you go about your work. When you spend time in volunteering, when you spend time in your hobbies and out in the community, that's where you're doing the work of ministry. And so we want to equip you to do the work of ministry wherever you are out in the world. You bring yourself into the church with all that you are, your model trains and your quilting and your pie baking, but then you go out equipped to bless the world. And so that brings us to our scripture for today. We're looking at the story of Joseph, and that picks up a theme that runs all throughout Genesis. You are blessed to be a blessing. Whatever God has given you is intended not for your own enrichment, but also in order to bless other people. So we'll begin with Joseph's story in Genesis 39 and 41. I'll come back to the scripture at the end, so if you're reading from your Bible, hold it open until the end of the sermon. So we'll pick up the story when Joseph's brothers have sold him into a passing caravan into slavery, headed for Egypt. Genesis 39.1 Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he had no concern for anything but the food he ate. Now notice that God blessed Joseph. The Lord caused all that he did to prosper. And the household was blessed because of Joseph. But then, of course, he was falsely accused and put in prison. But his gift in interpreting dreams led him to the Pharaoh. And so when he was called to interpret the Pharaoh's dream, he used that opportunity to expand the vision of who he could bless. So let's pick up in Genesis 41, verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. 
That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In his book, The Accidental Executive, former Boeing executive Albert Eersman points to Joseph as a model of a business leader. So this is what Eersman said. Joseph accomplished a major feat that would challenge the best business person of modern times. He identified a problem, created a solution, and implemented that solution on a grand scale. Through his work, he saved his civilization from starvation, enabling the world to survive a great famine in Egypt. In short, Joseph created the strategy for a global business that had an impact on the world. And so this former Boeing executive sees Joseph as a model for Christians in business. Keep an upright moral life, even if it causes a career setback. Be faithful in small tasks and menial jobs. And especially, use your position to help other people. It's exactly what the book of Genesis speaks to over and over. God blessed his people, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. They are all blessed. But God makes it clear that the blessing comes with a purpose. All of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And so we see that happening in Joseph as well. He was taken into Potiphar's house, and everything he did prospered. The household of the Egyptian was blessed because Joseph was there. Then God turned his time into prison as a way to bless the whole nation of Egypt and all of the surrounding areas, too. Joseph had a strategy that saved the nation. Pharaoh had set him as an overseer, and they gathered grain for the good years. And then when the famine came, the scripture says that all of the world came to Egypt because only Egypt had food. You see how here's an opportunity that all the families of the earth would be blessed because of him? Joseph found himself in a position where he could have made his work all about himself, proving something about his own greatness. But instead, he used his position as an opportunity to bless his neighbors. Not just the people of Egypt that he was assigned to help, but because of his strategy and his organization and his gift of administration, he was able to feed anyone who came for food. So often we think about our work about personal fulfillment and what we can gain from it. We get into positions to make a name for ourselves. Today we're praying for those who work in government and law and the media. I know it's popular to hate on all those groups of workers, but they all have a potential to be a blessing. Joseph was second in command in the government. His position enabled him to do what he did, but it was because he was discerning and wise. I'm grateful for discerning and wise people in government and law and the media. I'm grateful for well-maintained roads and schools that every child can attend, regardless of their family income. I'm grateful for lawyers who pull people out of trouble and journalists who let me know what's happening so that I can have the information so that I can be discerning and wise myself. We have local elections coming up, and I'm praying for all of the candidates that they would have a heart like Joseph to have the best interests of those in our community at heart and use their positions to make a difference. 
the thing is, this has to come from people who aren't just trying to make a name for themselves, but who are actively working to let the blessings that have happened in their lives spread around to the community. I know this is a series on work, and we have a good number of retired people in our congregation. Now, you may retire from your paid job, but you don't retire from your purpose. You are blessed to be a blessing. See, there's no retirement in the Bible. You might not work and get a paycheck anymore, but that doesn't mean you stop finding ways to be a blessing through what you do. We have church members on boards of just about every volunteer organization in Jessup. Good Samaritan, Fairhaven, the hospital board, Tabitha's Place, Skylark. We work to help people in need right where we are. It's the Methodist Children's Home Sunday in the South Georgia Annual Conference. And so we're at work giving money, sharing our resources so that we can be a blessing in the lives of those children in the children's home. And this is exactly why I want us to think about how we can be a blessing beyond our time on Sunday morning. Sunday should equip you to bless others throughout the rest of your week. The Genesis idea of being blessed to be a blessing affects the way Christians think about money, too. It's so easy for the desire for personal gain and fulfillment to affect our attitude about our budget. I work hard, we think, or I worked hard all those years until I retired, and so I deserve whatever it is that you want, a new car or a trip to the mountains or to Disney or whatever your favorite vacation place is. Our attitude about money is we do what we want to first, and we give to God whatever's left, if there is any. But the scripture invites us to a different way of thinking. We earn money so that we can bless other people. Ephesians 4, in a section about putting away old ways of life, Paul writes this, Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Isn't that interesting that the reason for honest work isn't the enrichment of the person or even the character of the person who has formerly been a thief, but it's so that you will have something to share with the needy. That really tells us something about God's attitude about how we should use our money. This is where John Wesley's teaching about money is so helpful. So he said this, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. John Wesley was like Joseph in that he had a spiritual gift of organization. So he taught a method of dealing with money. He encouraged hard work, but he also encouraged frugal living. That combination meant that there would always be money to give to those in need. Rich Hendrickson on the Connection blog of the Greater New Jersey Annual Conference says that Wesley believed when income increased, what should rise is not the Christian standard of living, but the standard of giving. You see that when you have more money, it's not that your standard of living should go up, it's your standard of giving. Wesley lived that idea in his own life. He started out his career as a professor at Oxford, spending money on the sorts of things that young men might spend their money on. He went out. He played cards. He spent money decorating his rooms at the college. 
it can get so cold in England. And so one winter night, a chambermaid came into his rooms, and he realized all she was wearing was just a thin linen dress, and she didn't have a coat. So he reached into his own pocket to give her some money for a coat, but he found that he didn't have enough money left. And immediately the thought struck him that the Lord was not pleased with the way that he had spent his money. So he asked himself, is God going to say to me, well done, good and faithful steward? And he looked at his walls where he had just spent the money and he said, God's going to look at him and say, you've adorned your walls with the money that might have screened this poor creature from the cold. John Wesley's attitude became that God had given him that money not to spend on himself, but so that he could help somebody in need. He realized that his money was meant to be a blessing to others. Somehow I never realized how much potential John Wesley had to be rich. He had an income from Lincoln College at Oxford. He sold a huge number of books. It's been estimated that his income over the course of his life would have been something like $50 million. So in his day, of course, he lived in England and they, they used pounds, so he could, a single person could have lived on about 30 British pounds, but his salary reached about 1,400 pounds. But you would never have known it to see him live. One of the things that people were taxed on in Wesley's time was silver plate. John Wesley famously had four spoons, two in London and two in the town of Bristol where he split his time. So he got a letter from the tax collector accusing him of lying about the silver that he had because everyone knew that John Wesley was famous and wealthy, and so he must have luxuries. John Wesley wrote back that he would not buy any more spoons as long as so many people around him didn't have enough to eat. His perspective was that God had put him where he was to help other people. Wesley encouraged his people to gain and to save because he saw the potential that money could have. He saw all the good that could be done with money. John Wesley wrote this, In the hands of God's children... It is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, raiment for the naked. It gives the traveler and the stranger where to lay his head. By it we may supply the place of a husband to the widow and of a father to the fatherless. We may be a defense for the oppressed, a means of help to the sick, of ease to them that are in pain. It may be as eyes to the blind as feet to the lame, yea, a lifter from the gates of hell. I love that 18th century British language, but his point is money can do so much good in the hands of God's people, in the hands of God's people who understand what the Scripture is teaching us, that we are blessed to be a blessing. If God has blessed you with resources, God has put you in place to be a blessing. You see, we're invited to be like Abraham and Sarah and Joseph, who were rich in order to be a blessing to all of the families of the earth. So can we circle back around to Joseph's story? Joseph knew his purpose. He was organized. He was bold. He encouraged his country to be frugal in order to be prepared for the coming famine. 
And when the famine hit, he was prepared to be generous. That generosity extended to his brothers, the very people who had sold him into slavery in the first place. So listen to Genesis 45. We'll begin at verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in this land for two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. You see what the scripture says? Joseph had a purpose to preserve life. God sent him where he sent him to be a blessing. Beloveds, you have a purpose. Whether you're at work or at school or whether you're retired, you have a purpose to be a blessing in this world. You have the opportunity to use your gifts and skills to bless those around you. So we're invited by the scripture to have a heart of compassion for those in need. If your income rises, raise your standard of giving. God has blessed you. And he wants to bless the world through you. May it be so. In our series on work, we are praying for groups of workers every week. And so the groups of workers that we want to pray for this week are those who work for the government, those who work in the law, and those who work in the media. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are grateful for Jesus who, though he was rich, for our sakes became poor. Make us like Jesus. We are grateful for those who have generous hearts and use the resources you've given to bring a blessing to the world. We pray for workers, Lord, in this tough time. We pray for those who work for the government. Give them minds that are discerning and wise. We face so many problems. Give those in authority your wisdom and your direction to help us face each crisis. We pray for lawyers that they may also have the wisdom and understanding that you give. Bless those who help others out of difficult spots and walk beside them in difficult times and bind up those who use their position for dishonest means. Lord, bless those who are in the media. It's a tough job to go into dangerous places and tell the truth. Protect them, Lord, and let truth be their primary motivation. Bind up the spirit of sensationalism that can overtake those in media. But instead, let them use their influence to make us better informed so that we might be better citizens, that we might be able to be discerning and wise. Cause all that we do, Lord, to prosper in our hands. Bless the work of all honest workers. And may you cause those around them to flourish because of their work. May all of the families of the earth be blessed through your people. Friends, may the blessing of the Lord be upon us all. Go in peace. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, 
with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.